You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest is Selects Thomas. He's the founder of Studio Selects, whose mission is to help businesses and professionals reach their goals by communicating their X factor with high-impact, authentic storytelling and utilizing corporate-tested, proven marketing techniques. Selects is an award-winning sales and marketing executive with over 15 years' experience in commercial strategy and has spent his career launching and growing some of the world's largest life science brands in a Fortune 100 company. He has now intentionally chosen to move from a life of corporate achievement to one of fulfillment where he can leverage years of commercial experience for the benefit and service of others by helping businesses and individuals reach their goals, which you got a lot going on. I'm so excited you're here. Like you're going to bring so much value to this podcast based on your experience. So thank you so much for being on. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be able to chat with you and share more about my journey. Yeah. So can you get into it? Like, I know you were working at this Fortune 100 company. I'm not going to give away all the details, but you had a bit of um, part of this great resignation, right? Change of heart, change of things, and kind of give us a background on what's going on. For sure. So to give you some background about me, I'm originally from the Chicagoland area. I currently live in the city of Chicago. And for me, my entrepreneurship journey really started with my parents. You know, my parents are immigrants from India. They came here actually for advanced degrees. My mom was a nurse. My father came here for a master's in chemistry. And it was funny because my father, he started working in the lab as a chemist and he realized that this wasn't for him. He really values autonomy and freedom. His father was an entrepreneur in India. He had a trucking business. It was interesting because my father, he said this to me time and time again growing up, and I realized this and it hit home recently for me, is that America is the best place to launch a business. And you know, my father was able to quickly get a loan from a bank, and he's been an entrepreneur now for 40 plus years around retail companies. He now has a number of gas stations and a real estate portfolio. But that was something that I grew up with. And for me, I went to Purdue for undergrad, and I always knew down the road I wanted to get into an entrepreneurship type role. But at Purdue, in the time that I graduated, I graduated in 2005. It was really the mindset of find a great job, work for a big company. And I'm glad I did, you know, because at the time that I was going through that, I learned a lot. I was able to get a lot of experience. And that time at the company that I worked for, which was Abbott initially, I I started as an intern there. And then it spun out to a company called AbbVie. And they are really large global healthcare pharmaceutical companies. And I was able to really rise through the ranks there. I started out as a sales representative and did a number of different roles around training, marketing, launching drugs. I was able to move up pretty quickly. Every couple of years, I was able to get a new role because I was really adamant about telling my story and backing up my story with results. That gave me the opportunity to really be able to hone in and get a number of experiences. And it ties into the entrepreneurship journey because I learned so much about networking, navigating the corporate matrix, being able to think about what does good leadership look like and what does awful leadership look like? And how do I apply that to my leadership journey as an entrepreneur and now bringing in people to work with me to create an environment and a culture that is one that people want to be a part of to ultimately really get great results. Wow. 
it's really interesting that based on your cultural upbringing, like I was just talking to someone, I think a couple of weeks ago, Sunil, and he had the complete opposite experience where his parents, I forget where he was specifically from. I don't think it was India, but it was somewhere in like South Asia. And he was saying how like the typical norm is, you know, parents immigrate from America and right, get a good job, be an engineer, be the doctor, be the lawyer. But in this case, you got firsthand experience of seeing your parents kind of go through the trials and tribulations of entrepreneurship, which is amazing. That's something that a lot of people, whether they're from America or not, don't always get to experience, but that you also saw that as like, I'm going to apply this same thing in my corporate job versus just like showing up, right? Because anyone could just show up to a job, but it takes someone with real initiative, whether it's the networking abilities or the leadership skills in place so that when you move forward with maybe at the time you didn't realize you were going to be an entrepreneur, at least so soon, you know, you had something to kind of back you up and you had a solid foundation, which is awesome. For sure. And, you know, just to build on that, I think during that corporate time that I had, there was actually two big inflection points that led me to my entrepreneurship journey. Because what I realized is that I had a role where I was chief of staff for the chief commercial officer at AbbVie, uh, which is the pharmaceutical company that I worked at. And it's a multi-billion dollar company. And it was a really coveted role. And we were on a private jet, the company's private jet, flying out to Barcelona for meetings. And here I am sitting in the private jet with members of the C-suite of this multi-billion dollar corporation. And most people would be like, that sounds amazing. And I felt really empty. I did not feel fulfilled. And I think that was my first inflection point to be like, something is up. Like there is something more that I'm meant to do in this world. And that ultimately led me to be like, I need to start to take another look at entrepreneurship because I need to really think about why am I not being fulfilled? And then the second inflection point or point in my career in corporate America that ultimately was the linchpin that made me jump over to entrepreneurship was after I had this chief of staff role, I moved into being the marketing director for the world's largest drug. It's this drug called Humira. It's a marketing machine. I learned so much. I was leading a big team and I had part of multiple layers that were underneath me. And what I realized was that I was extremely burned out and I was pushing myself to the brink. And I was on a flight back from visiting a customer from San Francisco back to Chicago. We were in flight and I had a panic attack and I didn't even realize that panic attacks were real. I couldn't breathe. I went right to the bathroom and I was able to calm myself down. I researched later that panic attacks last between five and seven minutes went to the urgent care the next day. They admitted me to the ER and I was literally lying in the emergency room bed. And at that point, I was like, I'm going to die if I don't make changes in my life. It feels like that though. It really does. And when it gets to that point too, I know a lot of people where you reach the breaking point, you're like, it's not a matter of like whether I'm doing it or not. It's just when, like I have to leave. We have to change something. Exactly. Exactly. And that was my breaking point where I'm like, this is now my time and the signal from up above to be like, you need to peace out and really start to do work that gives you a sense of fulfillment. And for me, what I've realized through work, you know, started seeing a therapist and really started doing the internal work to understand like, what are my values and what is my purpose in life? And really it's to help others reach their full potential. And also during this time, you know, my father, 73, he was talking about slowing down and it was a great segue to start working with him and get more exposure to his business. So once I 
left AbbVie, I took a little bit of time off and then I started working with my father. And my father then, you know, he's an ambitious guy. He realized that, you know, even though I'm 73, I still got a lot of joy with the work that I do. And he's like, I'm going to continue down this path. And he's like, I'll let you know when I'm ready to tap out. But it gave me the opportunity to then start Studio Selects, which I'm so happy that I've been able to get up and running. That's so cool. It's also awesome that someone at the age of 73 still has drive because I feel like my grandmother, I mean, she's much older. She's like in her 90s. And even my parents, they're approaching 60, somewhere in the middle. But both my grandmother and my parents are just like, yeah, we don't want to do this anymore. Like, we want to slow down. Yeah, props to him. So can you like, because you transitioned, you found your gateway, your your segue, which is working with your dad to get the kind of the nitty gritty, the behind the scenes, what it's like to be an entrepreneur or work in that environment. But for people who maybe, A, maybe they don't have that or B, they do and they just don't know how to get into that. Like, how can someone actually transition out of corporate? What would you recommend from like a technical or psychological perspective? And also because what people don't like to hear, but is the reality is that you have so many fucking options outside of the corporate world. Like, no, really, whether you have entrepreneurial parents or not, or you're surrounded by people who are entrepreneurial or not, you can come up with so many different options to make it work. You just have to like be really creative in the way that you think about it. 100%. It just happened to be happenstance that my father was an entrepreneur, but I cannot tell you some of the most successful people, successful entrepreneurs did not come from families that, you know, bred entrepreneurship. And I think to answer your question, I think there's a few different things that really someone, in my opinion, needs to think about in being able to make that jump into their entrepreneurship journey. First and foremost is being crystal clear and understanding what are your values To me, it's asking yourself, like, what matters to you more than money? And then asking yourself, why? Those ultimately are your values and what should be driving your entrepreneurship journey. Because what I've realized is if you're just pursuing the money aspect of that journey, ultimately, you're not going to make it through the tough times. And, you know, the work needs to be life giving. Otherwise, it's going to suck the life out of you because obviously, entrepreneurship is a journey that has a lot of ups and a lot of downs and you need to be able to be clear on your values. So I think that's the first thing that I would highlight is being crystal clear on your values. And then the next thing that I would highlight is having a board of directors. So every company has a board of directors to really advise them. And I think it's so important that us as individuals have a board of directors for our career, for our life. And this can be a diverse group of people that are unaffiliated that ultimately give you that perspective and that advice around, should you actually make the jump? Is this the right time? How could they can support you in that entrepreneurship journey and to help hold you accountable? So, you know, a lot of ways it's mentorship, but it's people that are going to give you diverse perspectives and challenge you around what is the best way to help you move forward. So I actually love that you brought that up. It's cool that you framed it as board of directors, right? Seems so legit. But like, how can someone even find, quote unquote, their own version of a board of directors? Because I don't know about you, but when I was younger, and even now I should say, it's getting better, but a lot of my friends with the people that I was surrounded with, they weren't in the same mindset as me. So it was very difficult to talk about these crazy ideas or like brainstorm all the possibilities. And so if your friends or the people you're surrounded with are very not in the same mindset as you, how can you ask them to be part of that quote unquote board of directors, like, or find mentors basically outside of your existing pool? Yeah, for sure. Great question. And I think with that, the power of social media is just exponential. And I think being able to, whether you're on Twitter, whether you're on LinkedIn, what I've realized, and I've actually done this and it's been successful, is that people at their core want to help. 
when people have made it to a certain level or have certain experiences, what I've observed, you know, people are busy, but I think how were you offering value to ultimately have them be able to be more intrigued and wanting to work with you? So an example that I can give is there's an individual that is fairly high up in the entrepreneurship journey. And I started following this individual on various social media platforms and started reaching out, you know, engaging in their content, but also being able to ask specific questions or if there was something that this individual was launching was being able to provide my two cents. This individual started responding back and I started highlighting my journey and they were open to a 15-minute call. And my thought process and my advice is to put yourself out there and identify people that are outside of your sphere of influence or within your world to be able to put the ask out there. Because I think you'd be really surprised in the feedback that you would get. So is that kind of how you started your marketing business, like by leveraging those existing connections? So in this case, right, we were just talking about putting people around you for your quote unquote board of directors and mentorship, but also is that what helped you get the leg up when it came to actually starting your marketing business, like using the same strategy, but using it in a more quote unquote, like business setting or like partnership setting? For sure. Specifically to Studio Selects, when I think about how I was able to make that jump and attain clients right away, it is then your local network. So I think the board of directors can be people from all over the place. But when you think about your specific business and who are going to be those individuals to really help you launch, it's going to be friends and family and your network. And my first client was a friend of mine that is a luxury home builder in the city of Chicago. He's considered one of the top luxury home builders or his businesses. And him and I have always gone back and forth around how to be able to better amplify his story because his product was great, but the story wasn't really out there. And he had an opportunity to better amplify his story to then turn his content into results and into future customers. And he was my first customer. And we've seen some really explosive growth on his social media pages, on inquiries tied to his business, and just awareness within the community. So the aspect of identifying people within your network, and they may not be the first kind of level connections and maybe a friend of a friend, but I can't stress as kind of nerve wracking as it may be to reach out to people in cold call. When you're offering a product and service that's differentiated or you have an expertise that's there, I've observed that people are willing to listen because you're able to help them reach their goals. Oh, a thousand percent. I've found too is that when you start coming from a place of like providing value versus like the ickiness of sales, it actually is better because you're like, wow, what I'm doing is important because what we are doing, whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter what your business is or what your services that you're providing, you're helping someone somewhere. 100%. Yeah, I think that that value add is such a, a key to unlock relationships. So now that you've talked on like, you know, how to actually get started, make transitions and things like that, you know, you keep on touching on like your story, your story, your story, which like everyone I feel like in their mother now and business is like, got to hone in on the story, right? Translate that. But like, how do you even become a better storyteller if you feel like you're garbage at it? Or like, how do you even hone in on what your story is, right? Because we're such multifaceted people with so many things going on. I could be the person who tells the story of my fitness journey, or I can also be the person who in this case is the person who quit corporate and has started over with the great resignation. So, right, I can fall into so many different stories, but how do you become better at identifying which one you should hone in on and then actually become better in the way of translating that to media, campaigns, you know, marketing, collateral, like even conversations. 
For sure. No, I, I think that storytelling has been something that in the entrepreneurship world has been so important because people see that there's results when you're an effective storyteller. So first and foremost, bottom line, the future belongs to the storytellers and the effective storytellers. So those that are able to tell a story about themselves as well as their brands will build relationships. And most importantly, they will capture the minds and the hearts of their audience, which will then take potential customers to build trust and take action and ultimately convert to business. And when I say minds and hearts, I think oftentimes people may focus on one or the other. They may be really technical and they focus on just what the technicality of their product or service and offering, or they really go emotional. And I think you have to have the mix of both to be able to have individuals take action and be able to have them be people that are potential customers. I think the other aspect around storytelling that I'm really passionate about is being crystal clear on what I call your strategic messaging pillars. And your strategic messaging pillars are ultimately pillars that stand for what your business or what you deliver on a consistent basis. So for example, I was talking about my first client who's a luxury home builder in Chicago. So what are their strategic messaging pillars? Because those pillars are what we anchor off all of our content. Any messaging that goes out, whether it's an email campaign, a website, any tactic. And the first and foremost uh, messaging pillar for my client, who happens to be a luxury home builder, as I said, it's called Barrett Homes. They're in Chicago, is all around high quality construction. Their product is phenomenal. They really put a lot of care into what they construct, their single family homes, their multifamily residences. Second is timeless design. They really are thoughtful about who they partner with from an interior design perspective, from a facade perspective. And then third is all around unparalleled customer service. So for any entrepreneur, for any individual, the ability to be clear around what you stand for and what you deliver on a consistent basis will help you build that story and not take you to different places. Because to what you were saying earlier is you can go down different paths. It's being really clear around what you stand for to then build your content plan. Yeah. And I'm glad that you touched on the different pillars because I don't think a lot of people consider that when they're first starting a business. They're like, yeah, I have this skill set and I want to use it. But then it's so much more than a skill set. Because as you know, probably in marketing, like it's not the best product that wins. It's the best marketing. And the best marketing is the best story. And the best story is the thing that, you know, encourages people to take action. So I'm still figuring out my pillars and I'm a little bit more down the line than some people who are just starting. But I can recognize more and more the importance of, you know, doing that early on. For sure. And I think it's one of those things too, in storytelling, when you are telling your story, and oftentimes it's on social media that you may be telling your story, really thinking about your story having a beginning, middle, and end. To really have that end user who just may be seeing a snapshot of who you are, have a better picture. Because I think when you're able to, whether you're on Instagram stories, whether you're posting something, to ensure that that touch point with a customer is more full circle. What I've observed is sometimes people might be like, hey, this is you know my moment in time, but they don't provide any context. So I, I think it may be just appropriate to think about how are you adding context so that that individual who's viewing your story then has a better understanding of what you're offering, which then is a quicker transition to them being a customer. Yeah. And that's something that I'm still figuring out myself because I've gotten so many 
I don't want to say hate comments, but definitely like I have videos that go viral and which is amazing. And then the people who know me, they're like, oh, this is awesome. And then you have people who don't know me who have nothing to kind of link together all the points and all the things that I'm saying. And they're like, oh, you know, this girl's doing blah, 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 or this doesn't make sense. Or why'd you do that? Or I don't understand this or whatever it is. And I'm like, oh, because I didn't provide context. Right. But at the same time, I think a lot of people, they struggle with that because they're like, oh, I'm just trying to be authentic. So then there's like the combating authenticity versus storytelling, right? Because you want to be like in your element, but you also want to effectively communicate at the same time. Yeah, I think it's such a fine balance because to your point, it is that fine balance between authenticity, but also being able to move the ball forward and meet your objective of why you're initially putting out content in the first place. And one of the recommendations that I have is around this idea of creating a storyboard in a place where it can be easily accessible that you can pull through in your social media. So to give you an example, I started storyboarding and having just a one-page visual storyboard that was in a form of more of a cartoon. And it ultimately provided me an opportunity during interviews or one-on-ones with mentors or people that I was talking with during my corporate days to have them have a better understanding of what I've accomplished and what I want to do in the future and what do I stand for. And it's something to think about for entrepreneurs is that as you are messaging consistently, is there a place, you know, whether it's on your website, it's a place that can be something that you can constantly post around or have as a final image within your your stories, et cetera, that can be a place where people can go and better understand who you are. One of the things that I'm doing with Studio Selects is actually creating a personal brand accelerator course that can ultimately help both individuals that are trying to elevate their personal brand or from a company perspective, help build this visual storyboard to help their clients or people that are just kind of first touching base with them better understand what do they stand for, what their journey's been, and where are they going, what are their service offering is, to then really put a bow around what do they offer to hopefully convert them to clients. I love that. And I know that now that the internet is starting to really, really take full force, especially with Facebook introducing now metaverse and just like the way that things are changing, like in the internet type of realm, is that personal brand is so important, whether you want to be an influencer or own a business or not. It's so important, almost like having your LinkedIn because it shows your resume. But like, how can someone get started when it comes to developing either their personal brand or messaging or honing in again on that story? Yeah, for sure. So I think first and foremost, you know, we touched upon the messaging pillars. And then I think a lot of it's test and learn. And I think that you need to be able to really think about developing that messaging once you have your messaging pillars and then being able to test that message. So that is ultimately kind of market research. So we talked about your network, your board of directors, key stakeholders. It could be people that are potential customers that you can be able to test and see, are you seeing a shift in behavior? Are you seeing inquiries? Are you seeing responses on your stories You know when you are posting about specific messages? And then I think it's all about studying. And I think being a student within your niche, within your industry, who's doing it really well? What are the key pearls that you can be able to take from them that they are messaging that you can apply to your specific personal brand, to your business, and then being able to execute to make sure that it's authentic to you, but you're seeing that within your industry, within your niche, that these individuals are able to really get results based on what they're putting out. But again, you're able to apply it to your specific personal brand or business. 
Do you have any maybe suggestions on how to get over the vulnerability aspect of posting in general or starting this whole journey? Because like I literally just spoke to a client yesterday and you know, where she's talking about strategy and all these different things. One of the things I told her is you have to experiment, right? As a business owner or an entrepreneur in general, you have to act like a scientist, right? Investigate, basically go to market with it, then analyze the results based on that and all that stuff. But if you don't do anything, then you don't get any results. But to her point, she was saying, oh, but it's scary, right? People who I've known my whole life are going to see me do this. They're going to question me. What if it doesn't work out, right? All these things. So do you have any maybe tidbits, suggestions, little tips for people who are like literally scared shitless about (laughs) doing this? Honestly, because it's hard. It's so hard. It is so hard. And I think being an entrepreneur takes so much guts and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable is unbelievably scary. And one of the things that I have started to really dive deep on is this philosophy called stoicism. And it's really changed my mindset on a lot of different things. Because I think the biggest thing that holds a lot of us back is the question of what will people think? And we then get kind of really fearful about, well, people are going to talk about me or people are going to think negatively of me. And this philosophy around stoicism, and there's a great Instagram social media account to follow called The Daily Stoic. And it's all about not letting the external noise affect you internally. And I think it's so important from a mental health perspective to think about how you don't let others influence your thinking. And there's this mindset within stoicism called memento mori. And in Latin, that means remember that you will die. Ultimately, at the end of the day, when we care so much about what other people think, sometimes we can forget that life is super short, live your life, and that we're going to die anyway and no one's going to remember us. So might as well live in the moment and live your best life now versus living in fear because no one wants to wake up when they're 80 years old and regret that they didn't take that chance. So I think it's just a mindset shift to help individuals and I do this with my clients, I do this with other individuals I mentor, is to really think about living in the moment and the brevity of life and how you can take action now to reach your goals. Yeah, it's pretty morbid, but I do, I really like the notion of like, we're all gonna die. Like literally none of this matters. Like, and even if you wanna take it a step further, like a lot of people who just think about like physics and the way that this world works is that realistically, like everything, the physical things that we're looking at right now, like don't even matter, it doesn't exist. Like we are placing such a large emphasis on something that is so minimal and so insignificant. Like it really doesn't matter. And realistically too, no one's watching. No one gives a shit. Like I don't even remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday, let alone when you posted on your story. Like we don't care. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean that, you know, like a relief of like, you can still fuck up. You can still be vulnerable. And the only person who's going to care the most is you. Like you're the only person who's going to place that much emphasis on all of it. Yes, preach. I could not agree more with you. I think that that is exactly the mindset that I think that we need to keep kind of amplifying because so many people live in fear of what will people think. And I get it. Like we all go through that. But I think that mindset to what you're saying is is so powerful because I think once you get it and once you realize that, like you're unstoppable, you know, because ultimately. Dude, really. It just clicks and you're like, it sounds a little far-fetched, but you're like, I can do anything. I can literally do anything. And it's the coolest feeling to feel like that. Yes. Yeah. It is so empowering. And I think that's the one thing that once I left my corporate world, which sometimes you can really get stuck into like, okay, what do people think? And that you got to 
navigate the matrix. And I think going into entrepreneurship, it really gives you that freedom to think clearly and then also give yourself the space to reflect and have the courage to take action. Yeah. And maybe this is a bit of a curveball, but do you have any regrets about leaving? Like I get a lot of questions from people. They're like, oh, now that you've left, do you ever think about going back? And right, my immediate response is like, hell no. But then there are moments of like, oh, it'd be really nice if I just like today didn't feel good. I'm just not going to do the work. But right, of course, you got to show up, do the podcast recording, send the invoice, whatever it is you have to do, show up to the client meeting. Yeah. Are there any regrets or any trade-offs with being an entrepreneur as opposed to being in corporate or having the nine to five? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting you asked that question. I was just having this conversation with a friend who asked me something very similar the other day. And similar to you, I have no regrets. I am so happy that I, I made the move. I think that I was ready and it was the right time for me to move on to this entrepreneurship journey. It's not that I necessarily have regrets, but I think to your point about there are certain days where you're like, I just want to lay in bed or it'd be really nice to have that corporate pharma salary that I was making before, uh, you know, for, for small life adjustments here and there. But I don't regret it. I think that there's definitely trade-offs. I think that I was working you know, very significantly in my corporate job, but I didn't have that freedom, that autonomy to take a break. And I think though I'm working nonstop as an entrepreneur, there is a sense of fulfillment. There's a sense of life-giving energy that I'm getting that I just wasn't getting in that corporate world. And I would rather take the road and path less traveled than to continue down this path of predictability, but suffering. There's not necessarily a regret, but there's definitely that trade-off of some of those really comforts that you get in a corporate setting. But I think the benefits of entrepreneurship outweighs any of the risk. Oh, yeah. Life is so much more bright and exciting. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Scary, but exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Could not agree more. I, um, I'm glad we brought this up. It just so happened to fall into place with that question. But I want to also switch gears because I know you just don't do the marketing thing, but you also have a second business that you're launching. Do you want to kind of like, you know, share that journey with people and what's going on with that? Yeah, for sure. So the beauty of entrepreneurship and leaving a corporate job is that you have the space and time to think about what all do you want to tackle. And going back to my values... Uh, And what I think my purpose in life really is, is all about helping others reach their full potential. Being someone that constantly assesses industries and seeing what are spaces or places that I can be able to leverage my skill sets to make an impact and to ultimately know that at the end of the day, going back to when I'm 80 on, you know, or whatever it may be down the road on my deathbed, I can look back and be like, you know what? I made an impact. I was able to help change and create a better space for people. And that is really around an industry that I have been researching and now actively uh, starting a business in, which is assisted living. So assisted living and just the senior housing industry in general is a market that's ripe for innovation that is historically been dogged with a number of challenges, but the market opportunity is significant. So there's over 10,000 baby boomers a day that turn 65, and there's over 4,000 that are turning 85. So you have what's called the silver tsunami, kind of a rapid pace of seniors that are coming in that ultimately need assistance of daily activities, whether that may be going to the shower, that may be eating, that may be just living their life in certain ways, going to the physician to get checked out. 
And culturally, seniors are often forgotten in the U.S. You know, I mentioned that my parents are from India and, you know, seniors are highly respected. They're cared for super well. And in the U.S., oftentimes seniors are, like I said, are forgotten and they're not taken care of. And I I really feel passionate about finding a different solution for seniors. So I essentially encountered my business partner when we were kids. We've been good friends for many, many years. He's one of my closest friends, but we had very complementary skill sets, but our values align very well. And we are embarking on doing a more residential style assisted living. So senior housing today, specifically assisted living, is what's called typically in a big box setting. So it's like 75, 100, 200 beds, and you're really in an institutional setting. And the focus that we're placing on is more of a residential style assisted living. So this is going to be 16 beds or less, really focused on this idea of quality of care and really changing the standard, elevating the standard and creating a new standard for assisted living because the caregiver to resident ratio is going to be significantly lower. So it's going to be about five to one. So five residents to one caregiver, where in these typical Assisted living facilities, they're more like 20 to 1, 15 to 1. So if you have a senior or your grandma has a soiled diaper, she may be sitting there for hours before that gets changed. Like that's just not acceptable. So we really are focusing on quality of care, creating an environment that these 16 residents can be part of a vibrant community that's focused on their mental health, that's focused on their physical health, on nutrition, and all these different types of things that has them live with dignity and ultimately be able to have a space where they can reach their full potential going back to my values. That's awesome that you're doing that. And as someone who, one of the benefits about, well, and I would say, unfortunately, one of the reasons I ended up coming back home as my transition from out of corporatehood into entrepreneurship is my grandmother, like I mentioned before, is 90 and she has dementia. And, you know, we faced a similar problem when we were thinking about what to do with her. And it was like the typical way, which the American way of just shipping her to some place. And then there's the other way of like, no, let's bring her in our home and see that she has the best end of her life. It's been great because, right, I get to see her every day and get to experience that. Whereas before I was working so much, I never got to see her. The only sad part is, right, there are days where I can't have a conversation with her because she doesn't remember. But there's a whole nother hurdle that I never thought would ever come as a result of elder care. Like, it's a struggle every day to get her into a shower. Like, she doesn't remember us asking her. So we have to, like, literally, like, stand there, like, as if she were a toddler and she's throwing a hissy fit. She doesn't want to get in the shower and, like, making sure she changes her, what she's wearing, her robe. Like, it seems like they're really, I don't know, I don't want to say not significant things or that it's not that hard, but oh my God. It is. And also when you see how we're struggling, right, as my parents, that's, you know, his um, his mother, that's my grandmother. We obviously care about her, so we're putting in the effort. But our patients sometimes is tested. You can only imagine being in these other facilities where they're already short-staffed and they already have patients of zero with this random person that they don't know. You can imagine the horrific things that are happening, whether they're broadcasted on the news or not. So I'm so grateful that Someone like you is entering this space to make a difference and change these things, right? Because especially these individuals have contributed so much into this world over the course of, you know, 70, 80, 90, 100 years of their life. And now they're being shipped off to like die in a place that is just breeding of just, I don't even know what you want to call it, infection. Like, yeah. you know, like the place that dreams die. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad that you're, you know, one of those people to try to do something new and, and really change that, you know, shake up the industry. And thank you for saying that. And I think that 
it goes back to values alignment, market opportunity. It's that mix of like, it feeds my soul. It's a great business opportunity that also can be financially viable. And then it's all about really taking all those experiences I've had in corporate and applying it to a new business like this. So one of the things that you know I'm doing now is I'm now the co-president of the Illinois chapter of residential assisted living. So this specific offering in Illinois is very nascent. It's not really there. It's typically dominated by what I was saying, what's a big box facility institution where they're kind of ran by these conglomerates, but then starting now to become that subject matter expert and networking, connecting with individuals, but also becoming a leader within the space and being able to then help create this market. So it's been very exciting. We're in the earlier stages of this, but it's one of those things that I'm excited to be able to move this forward and see this come to fruition. That's so exciting. What a fun time. And like you said before, like the cool thing is when you're outside of the corporate environment, you can really do and be and act in any way any capacity your heart desires. And in this case, it happened to be marketing and it also happened to be senior housing. So, you know, two completely different things, right? But you have some skill sets to kind of help between the both of them. But it just makes it fun because you can craft a life that's particular to your experience, what you're passionate about, and what just like, you know, what you can offer. But you mentioned that, you know, you were kind of in this leadership role, mentorship role. But I know that you also, right, you have experience kind of doing that. I think you said you were in Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or you did a couple of those things. Like, how has that helped you in the way of not only your corporate career, because I'm sure, right, networking and all that stuff, and right, also, let's say, good karma too. But like, how has it helped you in the way of building those necessary skills, both as a person, as a business owner, to be able to do what you're doing now? For sure. No, great question. As I said, Big Brothers Big Sisters has been a huge part of the last, you know, 15 plus years of my life. I was a mentor for many years, my little brother, Ricky. And I think one of the biggest things that I got out of it, and I didn't realize going into it what I was going to get out of it, but I got, I think, more out of it than my mentee got out of it, is the ability to first, obviously, see the impact you can have on someone that would be considered an at-risk youth. So Ricky is from the west side of Chicago, comes from a single-parent household, uh, is surrounded by gang violence within where he's at at the time and now he's he's since moved but the the skill sets that I gained was the ability to communicate and connect with very different people than myself and the surrounding people that I associate myself with to be able to connect with Ricky's mom and the other people within his neighborhood if I didn't have this experience would never have ever connected with these types of people and because of just the comfort that we have of living within our own circle and of the people that we typically would associate with. And that translates significantly because as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you are connecting with so many different types of people that have their own different experiences. And I think it's given me the ability to better connect and better ask thoughtful questions to really seek to understand about that individual's journey to then be able to provide value to them and to be thoughtful about how I'm communicating to them and to take me out of my comfort zone. So the, the mentorship piece was and has been fantastic. So I think I, I still connect with Ricky today. And he's now uh, doing a number of things. He didn't succumb to joining a gang or being part of kind of these at-risk type behaviors. Uh, and I think that piece of mentorship has given me a lot too. And then also being able to see the trajectory of his life change. I'm also part of Teach for America. So Teach for America takes individuals that are graduating college and are still trying to figure out what their next steps are 
but they want to be able to give back. And these individuals then go into typically uh, city environments and they are teaching for a few years and being able to help, again, at-risk youth being able to give them their perspective as a teacher. And I sit on the board for Teach for America as well, helping these teachers that, you know, are new to teaching, but also want to be able to make a difference, better help make an impact within their their school. So uh, again, going back to that ability to connect with different types of people, think about challenging situations, how to be able to tackle those challenging situations, put an action plan in place. That's what I got from mentoring. And I encourage anyone, if you have the capacity to do so, is to support mentorship programs or to become a mentor yourself. I second that. I was in Big Brothers Big Sisters for a while too at my corporate job. And it was like, I always love philanthropy, but to see the results down the line or the impact that you make on someone is just like, wow, like I did that, like little me, like all like four foot 11 of me did that. But it's also cool too, right? Because you get to practice empathy and like you'd said, kind of expand your horizons a bit. Like I was part of Habitat for Humanity's Young Professional Board for a while. And I also did a lot of rehabilitation projects. So I'd go to different areas of Manhattan, whether it was like in the Bronx or like East New York or things like that. Like Again, like these at-risk type of neighborhoods or certain scenarios. And we would basically help with, it was whether it was painting or beautification or something like that and, or construction. And it was the coolest experience to see some of these people kind of come up and be like, thank you. Like, thank you for making this a place where my kid like is excited to come home because the space is beautiful now. Like, you know, it looks good. It feels good. You know, I remember being in the hallway one day, we were painting this uh, like apartment complex and the hallway was like, it needed like a touch up. So, you know, we just did a basic new coat of paint, this bright, I think it was like a bright yellow color was really pretty. And this mom came up and she was like teary-eyed because she was so excited that her hallway was lit up. It went from like this dark brown that like was really dingy and just a dark hallway to now a bright, exciting environment. And so for her, she just, she was so excited about it. And I remember being like, oh my God, like it's just paint, but it makes a difference for people, your environment and everything. So yeah, I love philanthropy. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's so funny you talked about that hallway because to you and I, we're just like, not a big deal. It's just paint. But to that individual, it changes the space that they live in and that they're constantly, which changes their life. And I think that is something that is so special that uh, sometimes we may not see or realize the impact our small actions may have. Yeah, agreed. Well, this has been so awesome. I'm so glad you shared so many gold nuggets about marketing and business as well as just like, you know, sharing more of the personal projects you're working on or things you do to help contribute as like a a full life perspective, not just business, but also personal too. But one of the things I like to ask my guests whenever I wrap up the episodes is if you could give advice to your younger self, what would that be? For me, it would really focus on taking time out to live in the moment. I think, you know, when I think about my younger self, I was constantly on this pursuit and I forgot at times to enjoy all of the travels that I was doing and really be in that space and with those people. So I think living in the moment is something that I would definitely tell my younger self. I think to accept and love who I am as a person and not try to change myself for other people or to be someone that I think I should be. And it goes back to that authenticity factor. I think there's so much power in authenticity. And I would definitely coach my younger self or anyone that I'm connecting with that's starting to grow up is to really think about how are you really living a life that is true to who you are? Because there's so much power in that. I think you get to results that you're trying to achieve a lot quicker And then going back to what I was saying earlier, memento mori, this idea that you will die. 
because it then makes you appreciate the life you're living. It really reinforces gratitude. And I think it then helps you take steps to really live that life you're, you're trying to achieve. Yeah. Couldn't agree more with all those points. I love it. What a nice gold nugget. What a gold like send off to have for people listening. <laughs> Thank you. Can you share with everyone kind of where they can find you or connect with you or get involved if they want to, you know, have some marketing help or even get involved with, you know, the senior housing project? For sure. Yeah. For me, you can reach me on LinkedIn for Selects Thomas. So you can just search Selects Thomas. What's so great about having a unique name is that there really is only one selects from what I've researched. So I'm pretty easy to find my handles for my marketing business studio selects uh, is really just at studio selects. So you can go on Instagram as well as Twitter. And then my website is studioselects.com. Or you can shoot me an email at selects.thomas at studioselects.com. Happy to connect with people. As I mentioned, I'm so passionate about storytelling. And I think if people are looking to better amplify their story, I would love to have a chat with them. That's awesome. Thank you. And just a reminder, guys, you can go to corporatequitter.com to find more about Selects as well as all of his handles, all of his links, as well as learning more about the personal brand accelerator course that he offers. So Selects, thank you so much for coming on. I, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it too. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast. Make sure to check out corporatequitter.com for extended content and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow our host Gabby on Instagram or TikTok at she likes to gab. 